Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin for the Patreon bonus edition. Don't let my easy breezy voice fool you. I am mad. <laughs> um, the situation is this. Uh, that's very pushing daisies of me. The situation is this. Um, the I love pushing daisies. Fucking love it. It's on HBO Max for now, so you guys should go watch it. Um, so today is Wednesday, Thursday is Sheik's birthday. He's about to be 11. Uh, Saturday is his party. Cause I don't do birthday parties every year. Obviously I have too many kids for that. And just like, also like, that's too much for me as a person who doesn't really like holidays are hard for me. I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's like, like before I had kids, I really, I really avoided them. Like really, really avoided them. Like avoided them so hard that. I didn't know it was Christmas sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, but now that I have children and it's like, it's up to me to make a holiday for them. It's like, it's it's my gig to do it for many years to come. Um, it's tough. Like I usually have some sort of like meltdown towards the end of the day, normally because like the the, the weight of expectations for the day and then like I just crack. And so by like 8 p.m. on Thursday, I'm like, I mean, on Thanksgiving, I'm like, no good, no good at all. But, um, so I don't want to do a bunch of parties and stuff. Just, it's just not something I, I want to always be doing. That said, this year, Cheeks gets a party. So does Bunny. So it's exciting. He's turning 11. It's just like a little, I was going to say a shitty little party, but I don't want to say that because it's not a shitty little party. It's. We're going to like a main event, um, which is like a Dave and Buster's and he's just going to have a little party. He's going to have some cake and some, his friends are going to eat cake with him and have burgers and fries. And, uh, we're going to go to, he's going to, they're going to play laser tag. They're going to play some video games. People are going to sing happy birthday, open some presents, done two hours, two hours tops. It's no big deal. Um, it's like just to be transparent in terms of money, it's $250. That's how much it's going to cost. It's only 12 people. Five of them are my kids. Okay. So (laughs) like, so don't like get excited. Um, but it's a little party. It's like 250 bucks. The cake. I buy all their birthday cakes from HEB. If you live in Texas, go to fucking HEB. They'll make your cake on a 24 hour notice. They do not need more than 24 hours. I think they need three days if it's a wedding cake, but uh, they will bake a fresh cake for you the way you want it. They will decorate it if you want them to. They have all kinds of options for decorating and like little, uh, like toppers and things like that. Like, uh, we got a My Little Pony cake one year for Bunny. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff there. But the cake is like, we're getting an eight inch cake for him to blow out. Oh, like put the, put his like topper on and blow out. And then we'll probably end up taking that home because I bought... 24 matching cupcakes so that I can just hand people a cupcake instead of dealing with cutting cake and like serving it to people. Cause that's why would I want to do that? Like it's one more thing for me to have to worry about. I know there's an attendant that's going to be doing stuff. Like there's, there's someone in charge of the stuff, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, I like, it's so much easier just to hand out cupcakes. So, and they all have, it's Steven universe party. So they all have little Steven universe toppers. He's got a Steven universe banner. Um, there's going to be like balloons and stuff. 
but the cake is the cake and the cupcakes I think ended up being 30 bucks that's not a lot of money to be honest and uh the decorations I because I had to get Steven Universe decorations I had to go to Etsy and I believe I spent $30 on decorations oh I also got the gift bags I'm gonna spend that's the thing I have to do on Friday I have to go out and get like uh some I, I got on Amazon some crystals because of Steve Universe crystal. I don't know if you guys watch the show. It's an awesome show. It was an awesome show. And Cheeks loves it to death. And so we've got some crystals going to be in there. Um, we're also going to put like some candy. And I'm going to get some of those party poppers because I'm not going to be at my house. Let them fuck up somebody else's house. So, and just a couple of things to throw in there. So all in all, I might have spent... It's maybe $400 on the party total. And I just don't think that's like a huge expense. And the fact is I could have done the 250 and called it a day. Um, it's not a huge expense for this. So like, and the reason I'm being transparent about that is because this is why I'm about to get mad. So Cheeks has never had a birthday party in his life. Uh, we have never given him a birthday party because I don't really adore birthday parties. And the one time he was going to have a birthday party in like a previous foster home, he got up in the middle of the night and like ate the cake and they canceled his party. He, he used to do shit like that. <laughs> uh, it, it was not like he, he ate the buttons off of the fucking, uh, of a video game. He didn't swallow them, but he chewed them off. Uh, uh one of my husband's video games when we first got him, he, he used to do shit like that. He doesn't anymore. Uh, so they canceled this party. So he's, he's never had a party. And so like, this is exciting for him. He's getting a party. He's getting gifts. I've been slowly, but I've, I've maybe spent a hundred bucks on gifts. Okay. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's like little things. Like he likes, he's getting a Steven Universe shirt. He's getting a Steven Universe video game. He's getting, um, some Steven Universe prints. Cause he wants some things for his wall. So they're like these like artistic prints for the characters. And he's going to be able to frame them and put them on his wall. Um, I got him some figurines of some things. I bought him, oh, he's big in the Pokemon. I bought him a Pikachu Pop Funk, Funk Funko Pop, those pop figurines. I bought him one of those. Again, not a lot of money. Um, my parents, I've already sent him money. One of my sister-in-laws have sent him, like the relatives have sent, have sent money. And I'm just going to put those in cards and give it to him. And like... So the bar, the party's like done. It's been paid for. It's been besides a couple the balloons, the cake I need to pick up on Saturday. The balloons I need to get on Saturday because that's when the party's happening. And then I need to like go to the dollar store and get some shit to throw on these bags. So like, it's not a huge deal, but it's the only party he's ever had, and I want it to be a nice party. And like you know, I don't want to have a meltdown because everything's not right or everything. So I've been like making sure to like pace myself and also like. Just try to get, just understand that, like, he's turning 11. He's going to have, like, a decent time no matter what. So, that's happening Saturday. Thursday's his actual birthday. So, on on the kids' birthdays, even if you don't get a party, what normally happens is that we bring cupcakes to the school so that that so that you oh you wear a little birthday pin that says it's my birthday. So that, first of all, everyone knows it's your birthday and they say happy birthday to you. That's, like... A small thing, it costs like $1.99, but it's a small thing that like, as a kid, like as an adult, I would hate that, but as a kid to have so to have someone stop and go, wait, is it your birthday? 
happy birthday. That That's like a big thing to a kid. And then they get the, I bring the cupcakes for, and I put a little note on the saying, do not give us back any cupcakes. Feed everyone in the classroom. If it's too many, give them to all the teachers. Go to other classrooms. Find find a custodian. What does the lunch lady do? Give out these fucking cupcakes. Do not bring them home. Because so, I don't want them dealing with that. So I bring the cupcakes. They eat the cupcakes. Everyone sings happy birthday. Every The kids are all in the class are all like grateful that they got a little treat and it's Cheek's birthday. You know, it's, it's, it's a small thing. Uh, again, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I have a summer birthday and my parents just aren't like super sweet 16 birthday people. It's just not a thing. And so uh, in terms, th- that's a perfect storm for like, I just really never had like birthday stuff. I'm not saying they didn't give me presents. They did. I'm not saying that, that, I mean, they didn't blow it out on me, but I'm not saying that like they didn't mark my birthday if they could, cause work and other things, if they could, they did. But it's important for me that I like, just like I was telling you about my birthday, I stop and celebrate my birthday. I stop, even if I don't feel like doing anything, I make sure I don't have any work. Even if I'm just sleeping, I don't do any work. I let the day take me where it's gonna take me. I buy myself something special. I spend money on myself. Something that I wouldn't necessarily normally buy. I do that. I make sure that I'm eating something yummy. And it's because it's very easy from just the way I grew up and the way like we uh, treat holidays to just be like, oh, it's another day. But it's not another day. I survived another year on this dirty fucking blue planet, okay? I'm still here. Everything that thought that was going to get me failed. <laughs> so like, I'm celebrating the fact that I'm still here stunting on you hoes, okay? And so, like, it's important. I had to teach myself to do that because I would just work on my birthday. I would just, like, I sometimes I wouldn't even, like, get a cake or anything. I would just, like, do whatever. And I stopped doing that. And every year I'm getting better and better at, like, making sure that I am celebrating myself and being as kind to myself and being, whatever. So... The other thing we usually do if you're not having a party is on your birthday, I take you somewhere. Listen, we can go to the jumpy place. We could go to, I've taken kids to Chuck E. Cheese that day or whatever. We just do a little something. Last year on Monkey's birthday, we went to Sweet Eats, which is like this like tourist farm up a little farther up north from us. And we did, because his birthday is in October, we did pump, we caught pumpkins, caught pumpkins. We picked pumpkins. We didn't catch them. We didn't have to like fight them. <laughs> we we, we uh, picked pumpkins. They rode horses and got muddy and ran around and did go-karts and they just had a really good time. I didn't do much, but that. And then we had dinner at Applebee's. It was the worst Applebee's I've ever had. And, I'm not, and I am not a person that is too good for Applebee's, okay? So... And then we came home. That's all we did for Monkey's birthday. And I feel like, so on on Cheeks' birthday, even though he's having a party on Saturday, on Cheeks' birthday, I have planned to drop cupcakes off at school so he can eat cupcakes with his classmates. I plan to get him a little pen so it says it's his birthday so he can wear it and people will congratulate him on his birthday all day. When they get out of school, I plan to bring them home. They have They're having like a carnival that day for their school. So I thought that would be a nice thing for us to do. I was going to take them anyway, might as well. We're going to the little carnival. We'll spend like an hour there of them doing like the very least for the very most. And then probably he wants to go to Olive Garden. 
So then we're going to eat at Olive Garden and come home. This is what the, this is nothing. It's a birthday dinner. An Olive Garden, a place I was going to take you anyway, and cupcakes at school. So, Mr. Curtis, though, here come the villain. He could, if, if I had some music, some villain music play, I would. Come, yesterday he sees that I have got cupcakes. And he was like, what are those for? And I was like, oh, they go to Cheeks' school on Thursday. And he's like, he's already having a party. And I was like, what does that mean? First of all, the cupcakes I bought for to go to school, they're the cheap cupcakes you get at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever. Okay, they're they're just like in a they're in a twelve or a twenty four pack, and for like twelve, it's like seven ninety five or something like that. It's just that it's just you pick them up and you take them. They they're not special. They're not anything. I mean, they're they're special enough that people will want them, but I'm not doing anything extra. I got two packs because I got twenty four of them, so I spent fourteen fifteen dollars on them, uh, if I include tax. And so yesterday I let that go. He was on his way to work. But then this morning we were talking again. The kids have gone off to school. I'm working from home. Mr. Curtis works nice, so he's here. And he was like, I meant what I said. You're not allowed to take them, those cupcakes to school because uh, he's already having a party. And you're not allowed to like take him out for dinner. This, this, this is stupid. Maybe he didn't say stupid because I think I would have reacted even bigger to stupid. He, he, he might have said that's unnecessary. Let me tell you what. First of all, I'm fucking allowed to do whatever I want to. I'm a grown ass woman. I've been raising myself since I was 10 years old. I have, don't nobody own me. Don't, <laughs> nobody has any papers on me. I can do what the fuck I want, okay? I will do what the fuck I want. I've been doing what the fuck I want for 30 years. Leave me alone. D- allowed triggered me. That that activated me. And I know that's a bad choice of words on his part because that's not like, uh, that's not a thing he normally says. And I, I know he also knows that that motherfucker is definitely not in charge of me. Like, if I'm ever like, oh, let me go check with my husband. I'm lying. I'm I'm trying to get extra time. I don't have to check with him for shit, okay? I do what the fuck I want. Um, that said, though, you said the word. You said it, and you said it to me. So, first of all, that. Second of all, there is no second of all, you got me all the way fucking fucked up. Third, you are uninvited. You are uninvited from both the party and the dinner. I don't care. Shut up. <laughs> the thing is, is that about Mr. Curtis, Mr. Curtis, listen, I, 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 by the time I was 11 years old, I was a grown woman. I was getting my period. I had industrial bras my mother bought me. I was in charge of taking care of myself. I was in charge of feeding myself most days. Don't get me wrong. My mom definitely like, and my father actually more often than not made like dinners and stuff. But it was like, it was one of those things where like, they're going to make dinners maybe four times a week and you're to serve yourself, put, put, put your stuff away, uh, maybe clean up the kitchen a bit. I didn't really have chore chores, but like, I just, I was to do whatever I was asked to do. So like my dad might be like, I need you to go in there and take care of that kitchen. That's fine. And then like three nights a week, it'd be like, listen, figure it out, figure there's food in there. Um, I went where I wanted to. I came back when I wanted to. 
I really, I really was on my own with minimal support from the two adults that lived in my house when I was times eleven years old. Mr. Curtis, on the other hand, was a full grown man by the time he was eight years old, and I often say the difference between us is our growing ups are significant, and that like my parents would often say, "Hey, go in the kitchen and figure it out. Like, you got to It's fin for yourself. Figure it out." And often in his family, not only did he have to fend for himself, he would also have to figure out where to get the food from. That That's the difference between the two. And so he's like, he's been working since he was a small kid. He's been taking care of, he's the oldest of a lot. He's been taking care of small children since he was a small child. He He's had lots of responsibility. He, like I said, when I when I think of Mr. Curtis 11 years old, I think of a man in a three-piece suit with his own apartment and two jobs. That's what I think of. And I get that. But the fact is... I don't want my kids to live like that. I my kids are soft like fucking cream cheese. My kids are fucking soft. They couldn't they wouldn't last a day in my childhood. Not one fucking day. They wouldn't last a couple hours in Mr. Curtis's childhood because they just don't have the skills for it. And that's saying a lot considering my kids are former foster children who have experienced lots of abuse and neglect and and all kinds of shit. The fact that I know they couldn't survive my childhood is is tough. It's a tough thing for me to be like realizing the words I'm saying here. But they couldn't. They just couldn't. And good. I don't want them to have to. I want them, maybe I don't want them to be soft like cream cheese, okay? But I want them to have soft lives. I want them to rest. I want them to have resources. I want them to have backup. I want them to say I'm having a big problem and not... I need to keep this to myself and I need to figure out how to do this because there's no one here that's going to be able to do that for me. Or if I tell somebody, they're going to get really mad and scream at me and then tell me I have to figure it out myself. I want them to say, oh, I have a problem. I know I can go talk to my mom about this. I can just, I like, I know that talking to my mom is going to make things better, not worse. And in my case, I didn't always know that. I was always like, I was always like trying to um, weigh out whether or not bringing an adult into a situation was gonna make things worse for me. And like, poor me, boo-hoo, you Listen, I survived it, it's fine. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't even have like super bad feelings about the way I grew up, I really don't. But the way I grew up was rough and I just had to like make it or, or not. And I don't want my kids to have to do that. And I want my kids to, to celebrate their birthdays. And I want my kids to know that something special is going to happen on their birthday. That somebody cares about them. That somebody is going to try to do something nice for them. And even the parties, which is the thing that we're going to, that I've just recently started. I've had one for Turtle, but that year Cheeks got in trouble, so he didn't get one. That's the year that um, he and some other child at the YMCA summer camp were fighting over like a, a toy of some sort and the YMCA counselor was like taking the toy which is the thing to do like if you guys are gonna fight over it, nobody can play with it and so she asked Cheeks to give it to her and instead of walking it to her and handing it to her he tossed it at her but she wasn't she wasn't ready to be throw a toy thrown at her you know what I'm saying it's not like he it's not like he beamed it at her but uh he but the fact is he threw it when he should have handed it to her and it hit her so, like, he got suspended from the YMCA. And the lady was, like, really nice about it. She was like, I'm not hurt or anything. I know he wasn't trying to, but, like, you you, you can't hit a counselor with anything. And I'm like, yeah, I I understand. <laughs> like, like, you don't have to explain to me 
Then why? You don't have to be like, I'm so sorry, but um, we're just not going to let people hit us. Like, you don't have to do that. And I even told my, when I was telling my mom, because I had to go pick Cheeks up from the some YMCA and he was like crying and stuff. And I was like, this is like, you were being sassy. And if you would just hand it to her instead of like tossing at her, we wouldn't be in this problem. And but my mom was like, Oh, she couldn't take a hit. And I'm like, no, she's not in the army. She's not in the army. She didn't train. To be, she, she didn't train for combat. She's that. She's a 19 year old working at the YMCA for probably very little money. And she probably got three hours of training. Like, and either way, she shouldn't be hit by anybody. Softly, accidentally, like she shouldn't be doing that. That shouldn't be happening to her. But but I was like, and by the way, if someone had called you to pick me up because I'd hit, well, first of all, I wouldn't be in the YMCA because I didn't have babysitters. Uh, Nickelodeon was my babysitter. But if some if you had left me somewhere where you pay money for people to watch me and they had called you, to tell you that I had hit someone and now couldn't come for three days. Best believe you would have shown up there with a belt waving it in the air. And she was like, you know what? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're a new woman, but I remember what you used to be like. Okay. You would have shown up with a belt. You would have been, <laughs> you would have been screaming my name. You would have been, you would have been like, <laughs> you might've hit me in front of these people. You might have. I, 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 I can't say. I can't say. I might have been beaten in front of a bunch of strangers. It's possible. It's fucking possible. I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing at the ridiculousness of like me showing up somewhere with a belt, waving it in the air, screaming for my children. <laughs> this would never happen. Even even if I was really angry, this would never fucking happen. And also, someone called the police on me. Someone called a puppo on me. And then 1988, 19, uh, it was 88 when I was eight and he, and this was, uh, Cheeks' eighth birthday. In 1988, no one would have called the police when my mom did that. They were like, oh, your mom's outside. <laughs> Better get out there. <laughs> Looks like she's going to be hitting you. Good luck. That's what they would have fucking said to me. <laughs> That's what I'm laughing at. I'm not laughing at. <laughs> but my mom was like, uh, yeah. But hitting doesn't work. You shouldn't hit children. I was like, I wish that you knew that. 30 years ago and she's like okay god but that's the truth and and I just want better for my kids and I'm not gonna manufacture manufacture struggle for them okay I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna say because I didn't have these things you're not allowed to have them anyway even though economically we can afford those things uh they're reasonable things you know what I'm saying like I'm not gonna be like um you have to eat beanie weenies every night because for uh, a month in one summer, I pretty much ate beanie weenies every night because I was staying in my aunt's house and she didn't have a lot of money and that was like the way she could feed like all these fucking kids. And like, I'm not doing that. It's not necessary. I feel like I we have a very humble household, right? I feel like we do pretty much. Like, I think that we could do more than we do, but I'm always worried about money and that's another thing I'm working on. But I like my attitude around money, but like my kids are pretty, are pretty like, I, I think my kids are, are, are well behaved for the most part. Yes. Do I get on here and talk shit about their behavior all the time? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But these are isolated incidents. <laughs> and if you knew how often people chase me down to tell me how, just how well behaved all these children I have with me. Oh, 
oh, you know, we, when we sat you in the restaurant, we were just worried because a lot of people come here with a lot of kids and they do all kinds of wild stuff. But your kids were so nice. They were like sitting in their chairs. Yeah, that's the bare minimum. We expect people, if I'm going to take you somewhere, they sit in your chair. And like when we get compliments like that, sometimes my husband's like, what the fuck are they even talking about? If these kids got out of the chair and ran around the, the restaurants, we would leave. We would get our shit and go. Like, yeah, I would not stay someplace like that. But my kids have manners. They say please and thank you. They write thank you notes. They know how to apologize. They earn their money. They they work around this house. They do chores. And I don't have to chase them to really to do chores. Not really. A lot of times they'll be like, what's my chore? What I'm going to handle my chore before I go outside. They're, they're very good about those things. And we, they live in a world, or I, I have them living in a world, where actions have consequences. And... If we do this, then this happens. If that happens, then this will happen. And so we can make all the choices we want, but if that's the choice that you make, then keep in mind that that's, that, that means you probably have to stay in your room for a little while because actions have consequences. They, they're decent kids. They really are. They're the type of children that people comment on on planes. They're that come to me and go, oh, your kids were so nice. You're, yeah, I know. I know. I told them before we got on the plane not to, not to embarrass the fuck out of me on here. Yeah. But even if they weren't, even if they weren't super grateful, earning earn money, they spend their own money a lot of times, even if they weren't those things, even if they didn't do chores and read every day, regardless of if they're in school or not, because they know it's something that I want them to do. Uh, ask me how my day is. I never, I can't go without asking them asking me how my day was and listening to them like, did you have a hard day at work? What kind of things did you work on? Like, they're such sweet kids when they're not getting on my fucking nerves. Yeah. But even if they weren't, everybody deserves birthday love. And it is reasonable for me to do the things I, I said I wanted to do. It's reasonable. It's not wrong. And Mr. Curtis has actually come in here a couple times because he because he woke up and heard me saying Mr. Curtis. <laughs> uh, but like, I'm not fucking with him. Like, he's uninvited and he's apologized for saying the word aloud. He's apologized for that. But um, what he needs to do now is uh, go in there and build a time machine so he can go back to where he got me fucked up and make better choices because do not, don't ever say that shit to me. Don't ever fucking say that shit to me. Um... <laughs> I actually have some birthday shit to do today. We're going to get haircuts because in the pictures, I don't want my kids looking raggedy. They don't look raggedy. I just know, like, they need haircuts. Um, I need to get, make sure I buy that birthday pen. I need to buy some wrapping paper because the little gifts I bought him, I want him to wrap them up. He's not going to get them on his actual birthday. I think I'm going to give him one gift from his birthday and the rest are for the party. Um, What else? What else? What else? I just got a couple of things to do, and I obviously got to work too, so... Um, I've got, I've gotten a couple hours of work done. I'll do this and then I'll go back to that. And then I gotta go pick the kids up early. And then Mr. Curtis has to pick up his car. So I gotta handle that. Like I got things to do. So let me stop, let me stop spending 30 minutes talking about birthday bullshit. But if it's your birthday or if it's near your birthday or like it's your kid's birthday, I want to be clear. It's not necessarily, it's not necessary to like spend a hundred thousand dollars to buy them two. I don't even know. How much does the bins cost? I don't fucking know. Spend $100,000 $100, on a party, buy them two binses, and film it all for MTV. It's not necessary. But it is important that we take a moment out of the busyness, out of the routines, and say, hey, today's a special day for you. This many years ago, you were making your way into the fucking world. Now, 
maybe the world hasn't been so great, but you've been surviving it. Here you are, bigger, stronger, better every single day. What would you like to do? Where would you like to go? What's the thing that'll make you feel special today? Even if it's only to yourself, even if that's something you're only saying to yourself, it's important. Do not work on your birthday. Do not uh, let your birthdays go by without uh, counting them and, and like being good to yourself. And sometimes it's okay to be soft like cream cheese. It's fine. There are soft people all over the world. You'll find a bagel, smear, it'll be fine. Um, what the fuck am I talking about? Oh, guys, this is a sponsored episode. <laughs> this is a sponsored episode. But here's the thing. I forgot who sponsored it. I do not have time to go back through my stuff, but I know someone sponsored and paid for a Superstore episode. I know this. I've got it written down on the list of episodes I have to do. I cannot find the name of the person who did it. So... This one's for you, whoever you are. <laughs> I'm going to keep it all the way a thousand, 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 thousand percent real. And like, I have avoided making this podcast a business for a long time. Just because like, I do enough work. The podcast is work. It is work. It's a hobby that is also work. But I've avoided trying to make it, like that's one of the reasons I didn't have a lot of guests since a lot of reasons for a lot of things. Because I don't want it to feel like I have to. And so that has led me to be less than organized with certain things because I feel like if I bust out a spreadsheet, then um, I'm taking it seriously. And yeah, it's it just, that's why sometimes I'm less than organized and I, like in my real life, I am very organized, but part of like me not making this into a place I don't want to be has been like, okay, let's not take it to that level. Um, which is the reason why I do not know who sponsored this episode. And I apologize. That said, I love Superstore. <laughs> I could talk about Superstore forever. I have very minimal notes just because of the couple things I don't want to forget to talk about. I did not have to rewatch it. I watch it all the time. So there's no need for me to rewatch it. Uh, if you guys don't know what it is, Superstore was a, a TV show, a comedy on a sitcom, to be honest. And I guess, I mean... I'm hesitating and calling it a sitcom because when I think of sitcoms, I think of a uh, live studio audience, um, multicams. Um, I, that's what I think of as a sitcom because that is what, you know, I love sitcoms and that's what I grew up on. Um, I've talked about this before. As a kid, I had a TV in my room from a very young age and no bedtime. My parents are not very strict about, I mean, if you were making a lot of noise and getting on their fucking nerves, then you probably had to go to bed. But for the most part, as long as you, my mom mostly had a leave me the fuck alone time. And that's like a time that you need to be alone in your room. You need to be taking care of yourself. Do not be making a lot of noises. Yeah, you can be playing with your brothers and stuff. But if you guys are getting rowdy in there, you got to go to bed. And, you know, like, I always tell my kids that like, I avoided talking when I was like elementary school age, I avoided talking to my mother after, after dark, because if you were speaking to her, she, it reminded her that you existed and you might have to go to bed. So let someone be down, going down. I'd be like, Oh, better get all my questions out. Let me get my cup of Kool-Aid and take this to my fucking room. Let me get, if she needs to sign anything, let me let her sign it now. Because if I walk up to her at fucking seven twenty and the sun is down, <laughs> Might have to go to bed. 
because she'll be like, oh, you still live here? Get out of here, go to bed. So so I spent a lot of time in my room watching TV all the time. And I didn't have to go to bed, especially in the summer, so I had nowhere to go. So, so I could just stay up. And I had cable in the 80s and early 90s. And this is before you needed a box to watch anything. So they would just like, they just like do the cable themselves. And so I have only had basic cable at first. And then later on I had HBO. But um, I would watch Nick at Night all the time. That's really, and, and the thing is like, basic cable there wasn't really a lot on after a certain time sure there the, the the show at least it didn't go off the air but it'd be like a lot of infomercials it'd be a lot of shit i wasn't really interested in um so nick at night was the thing and so i would stay up late watching watching uh like dobie gillis and the dick van dyke show which i was a huge fan of um, and Mary, Mary Tyler Moore, anything with Bob Newhart, I would watch so many things and this shit was funny to me. It was, it's a very specific type of comedy. And I understand that like that in a world full of like a Sopranos and sex in the city and things like that, that like sitcoms are not cool. But because I grew up on those things, I, like, listen, if I had been in my room in the middle of the night watching, I don't know, Star Wars, Wars, I'd be like a Star Wars geek. But instead, I'm a person that really likes situational comedies. And so as we get into the, this is, as I've grown up, like, Roseanne, Roseanne, <laughs> guys, I don't want to talk about Roseanne herself <laughs> or themselves. No, herself. Uh, maybe themselves because she talks about, not for gender, but she talks about having like multiple personalities, I believe, but, uh, I don't want to talk about the person, but Roseanne, the show is one of the best written fucking things I have ever watched in my life. There are the episode where they find out that David slept over and, um, you know, Becky's already flown the coop with, with Mark and they're trying to make, uh, Darlene get on birth control and every little fucking beat, every little beat of that fucking episode as cause Roseanne's telling her she has to ha- get on birth control and Dan, and Dan walks in and Darlene's like, um, mom's trying to make me get on birth control cause Becky had sex. And Dan's like, I don't think that's how it works. Like it's just, just the way John Goodman walked in the room very casually and his like, it's, then Roseanne is talking to Darlene and she's like, well, maybe you could have had sex really quietly and we wouldn't know. And Darlene goes, why? You can't. And th- the audience goes wild. Roseanne, <laughs> like, Roseanne is like, has this look on her face. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and later on, as some stuff, other stuff is going on, Dan's like leaving or... And Roseanne's screaming after him, well, your kids can hear you having sex. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the best written. They made, they, there are some mistakes, some missteps in the show, but it's so tightly written. It's so good. I just don't like, I understand that sitcoms are not sexy and 
cool and stuff like that. But I just, I don't understand how you can't, having, writing a sitcom and hitting those jokes and hitting those beats and having the cast gel together is such a hard fucking thing to do. I don't understand how you can't respect that. Like, it's tough. It's tough. And yeah, um, a lot of them rely on jokes that are very, I mean, listen, CBS comedies are, I mean, let's just say it, Chuck Lorre, uh, Lorre comedies are a very, um, they're not always that smart. Okay. That's the truth. They're not that smart, but that's cause it's, that's not who they're writing for. But you got to respect the grind of a sitcom. You got to respect that. I'm going to have to fit in, I don't know, 40 jokes in 22 minutes and tell a story and cap it off at the end uh, and leave us in a place where you can like move forward. Uh, yeah, I love the sitcom genre. Um, the stuff that I write in terms of like fiction has been mostly compared to sitcoms, okay? Because of the way that I write stories. And I don't, I don't take that as an insult, not at all. Um, so... I, so that's what I think of. I think of multicams. I think of, uh, I think Cosby show. I think of, uh, a different world. I think of Grace Under Fire. I, this is what I think of the sitcoms, but that's not, I guess, I mean, sitcom stands for situational comedy, uh, a comedy around situation in which the characters recur every, so like these single cam things like uh Superstore are sitcoms too, I guess. It's just it's hard for me to it's hard for me sometimes to actually what's super you know what? Don't let me get involved in that. I'm I'm getting off track here. Um so it's a sitcom. It's about a group of people. It's a workplace comedy. It's about which I also love. Um about a group of people who work in a big box store that is similar to Walmart. Walmart doesn't exist in their world. It's called Clout Nine. Um, and Target does. Target is the is the nice place to work. Uh, there's a whole storyline about Target trying to steal away employees that it was not. And so <laughs> Target was like, girl, we was not trying to steal you. Anyway, so um and it's just a group of like diverse characters, one of the reasons I love it, that go through just they're they're working. Um it is similar to the office and Parks and Rec and even not quite a 30 rock, but even um it's similar to all those things. It should be. Uh the creator was a writer or on the office, I believe he might've been an executive producer too. I don't know, but he came from the office. And so that makes a lot of sense. Um, it goes for six seasons and it ends, it starts, I mean, Jonah is one of the main characters and it starts with him getting a job at the store and it ends with the store being shut down because the cloud nine is going to move to like being mostly online sales. So, in that time, um, it's just the ups and downs of being a retail worker, uh, living in poverty or very close to it. Um, and it's a bunch of characters interacting with each other. Uh, how did I come to this, to this 
show. I started watching the show. I never watched the show at first, right? Okay, well, you never watch anything till you do. But the reason I didn't watch it is because I was busy watching other things. There's a lot of TV to watch. And also, I'm a rewatcher. So, like, I, I wasn't paying attention to it. Also, I think, like, I don't watch anything on TV anymore. So, like, it's not like... I could have caught it after something else. Like I've only have to hear about it. And, or I might see it on in the Hulu when I log in. And on Hulu for a long time, the, there would be ads for Superstore. There'd be ads for Superstore, but they would be done in a like a, a funky art way where it looked like there was like a filter to it and, they're almost illustrated, the characters are illustrated, and um, the, they, they would have like, capes on for some reason. I don't know, I thought it was like a Heroes thing, which I am gonna rewatch, because I want to pinpoint the exact moment it went off the fucking rails. Also, I think my kids would like it. That's why I think I might rewatch it. Um, we watched Final Destination not too long ago and they were like really into it. Uh, so, which I thought was too old for them, but they took it well and we had good conversations about how they make fake deaths and blood on TV. Um, and Monkey kept going. If it's on the TV, it's not real because they had, because somebody had to be there to film it, which I don't want to tell him about the news or reality TV, but he's six so like that's good for him to understand it like he was in and out of the room that like if he happens to see something scary on tv that someone had to make that up but we we had a good conversation about how to make fake blood and this and what this means and that means and so and nobody had any nightmares so i think it was fine um it wasn't chucky or anything which is i guess some some bio parents showed some of the kids and it's been terrible since um, so, what was I saying? Oh, so like, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know what that is. And then one Thanksgiving, we had our stepkid down, um, and all the kids were here and well, not all of them. It was just, uh, turtle cheeks, stepkid. And then my niece was still living with us and we were in the other house, in the other uh, townhouse, and it was just like a stressful Thanksgiving. One of the things that, like, I love my stepkid. My stepkid calls me constantly. I don't know how an almost twenty-one-year-old doesn't text and just calls people. Like, like I, like I adore them. I just don't understand how they use technology. Sometimes I'm like, text me, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna call you out the fucking blue and talk to you for three hours. And so, um, I love my stepkid, but. Part of the reason for, and for, for those who don't know, my stepkid, we call them my stepkid, but they are my husband's biological child who was adopted as a baby. Found my husband when they were like eight. So we'd been married for like three years. Um, and was just like, I've always known who my bio mom was because my bio mom's a family member of the adoptive family. And I don't know, I want to know you and I want to know about you. And I, and my husband started visiting and started hanging out with the adoptive family. And then I started because 
But first, I want to give them space. And also, me and my husband weren't decide, weren't clear we were going to stay together. Because that was a huge change in our lives. This was well before we had kids. And right when we had decided we were not going to have any children, there were not going to be any children in our lives. Like, we were kid-free, and it was going to be like that for life. But, um... So my husband like became a father and they have an adoptive, their adoptive family doesn't really have like fathers in it. And so my husband slid right in there and they were just like, happy to have you. Can you please come down and tell the stuff kid they have to clean their room? I'm like, well, he met them three days ago, but cool. (laughs) Anyway, it's a beautiful blended family with the bio mom who's my husband's ex. She died not too long, but she died the year I adopted the older boys um and her children and the stepkid and their um adoptive mom who's like 73 this year and like just a whole just a huge family that like we just like slid into it's weird um and so like good relationship with my stepkid and i so i call them stepkid because like my husband has no legal rights to the stepkid. I mean, also stepkids about to be 21, but my husband has no legal right, has never had any. Um, and so there's uh, like our official, our legal relationship is nothing. (laughs) Family, friends, I guess he's a bio dad. Who the fuck am I? So I always, but we act as if we are like, uh, a close uncle and aunt. That's, that's what it feels like. That's the type of relationship we have. And I always call them the stepkid. I call them by their name actually, but I don't, very few details on the podcast, mostly because they don't do social media or anything like that. They're like completely offline. And, um, while they think it's, they know I have a podcast, they think it's fine to, for me to talk about them on the podcast. I choose not to talk about anything that is like, Like with my kids, when I'm talking about my kids on the podcast, it is about me in relation to my kids, right? I'm never telling you a story about Bunny that has nothing to do with me. And that's a fine line, right? My kids are not the content. I am the content. They are side characters in my content. Um, So that's a fine line, but I have an even like, I keep it even like, more separate with my stepkid because like you don't even need to know their name or their gender or like you don't need to know any of that stuff because it's not necessary but this it's important that I'm talking about them right now because they were over for Thanksgiving now already I am high anxiety during um holidays I there's a lot of uh sensory stuff during holidays I am prone to meltdowns during holidays because it feels like I have to do all this planning and then I have to do all this stuff and then it does not ever work out the way I exactly the way I wanted it to and I have all these expectations. I want my kids to have a good time. I want my kids to be happy. I want them to be like, this is what Thanksgiving is. Um, Because I don't have that. And then I somehow decide that I'm not doing it right. And then like something goes wrong. And like, I don't know. Like I said, I'm in shambles by the end of the day. And I've gotten better over the years, but this is one of the years I wasn't. And then also stepkid is there and stepkid does not live in my house. And like, I'm, I'm, it's hard for visitors for me. Like having people in my space is hard as much as I adore stepkid, but like have stepkid is a guest here, right? They don't live here. I need to make sure they're comfortable. I need to like, we're, I'm, I'm catering to them, not the other way around. Um, so I, 
so people in my house, holiday, high anxiety. Now, Thanksgiving, and we also had a really small kitchen in a place. Thanksgiving is really Mr. Curtis's holiday. Mr. Curtis does most of the cooking because if it was up to me, we wouldn't do any cooking. I don't, I don't particularly love Thanksgiving food. And the thing I contribute to on Thanksgiving is that like, so Mr. Curtis always gets a free turkey from, from his job. He cooks that turkey. We do sides. A lot of times we do small sides. Now, and I don't eat leftovers either. I don't want to eat after, after Thanksgiving day on Black Friday, I don't want no fucking Thanksgiving food. So, and also I'm black and the things we make on Thanksgiving are mostly soul food, which is food I eat all the time anyway. So, I've never been a huge fan of Thanksgiving. So on Thanksgiving, Mr. Curtis cooks his turkey. There are a couple things that like come from my family that Mr. Curtis wants me to make, and I do. Uh, My mom makes uh, stuffing that has chicken and uh, ground beef, not ground beef, it has chicken in it. It has a bunch of shit in it that I was like, this is not stuffing, but it's like, it could be a meal on itself. I make that, it has chicken and turkey in it. Um, I make that, uh, Cornbread, he really wants me to make cornbread. That's important. And like a couple of other, like, so I might make two things that I can usually prep ahead of time. He makes a bunch of things and then we eat. And then about midday, we go to the movies. That's my contribution. We go to the movies on Christmas and Thanksgiving. And that's always a fun thing. The kids like it. There's always a new fun movie out. This year, Black Panther's coming out November 11th. Am I going to wait till Thanksgiving to see it? I don't think so. We'll see. So, but it's just a lot. It's a lot of movement. The kids, like, the kids get buck when there's a visitor, right? So they want to do extra stuff. This is why, you ever gone to somebody's house and the kid is, like, on 10? And you're like, wow, this kid's like this all the time. No, they're not. They're doing this because you're there. And so everyone's acting up. Uh, my niece and Cheeks were arguing non-fucking-stop. It was just a lot. And so, this may be the day after Thanksgiving. And I was just like, over. And then I also have to drive back, I have to drive step kid back to San Antonio. And also, another thing to put in is this. My step kid is my husband's child, but is probably more coming to visit me than, than my husband. So, not only do I have like a visitor in the house, they're on me. And although my stepkid has multiple mother figures, there is something, this this sounds braggy. It's not braggy. I'm not bragging about shit. There is something about me that they need. And so not only do I have my, my kids that are already like stuck to me like glue, like everywhere I go, now I have another kid stuck to me like glue. So I, I had a lot of stuff going on. And my husband doesn't, like, this is an argument that we have often, is that my husband does not understand that. Not that he's upset by it, but he doesn't understand it. Like, yo, you just, like, stepkid wants to visit, and you're like, yeah, come visit me. And then you play video games. Stepkid loves video games too. But why is stepkid on me like Lou? And you're in there playing video games or painting a room. I told you not to paint. <laughs> in either you know or you don't. Or why are you gone to to the store? Take stepkid with you. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? 
they want to stay with you. And I'm like, yeah, but like, they're here to visit you. <laughs> like this, what are you doing? Um, so it was a lot. So I needed some alone time. I hadn't gotten alone time in days. Okay. I hadn't had any alone time. And also if you don't like, if you don't have like kids that you need like after school or a holiday care for, you should know that there is no holiday care during Thanksgiving. The break of Thanksgiving YMC isn't open. Um, I'm sure uh, if you're paying for uh, like child care, like a child care center, then yeah. But like, there's no like after school or break thing. Thanksgiving, it's all kids all the time. They're off the entire week, all kids all the time. I don't remember being off the entire week. I think I got out on Wednesday. I had to go back to school on Monday. I don't recall being out the entire week of Thanksgiving. Um, so I've been nonstop with children since that Monday. So it's Friday. We've already been through the holiday. Uh, step kid fell at some point, like playing with um, my kids and like really fucked up their knees and was very clingy afterwards. By the way, they were like 17. Uh, so, and they're always telling me they have like a dark heart and they're like evil and they were like, they love like gross stuff and like horror movies and stuff and like I'm putting alcohol in their knees and they're like mm -hmm. I'm like okay okay <laughs> Satan remember how you told me that you believe you <laughs> remember all that shit remember that yeah 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 you're crying because I'm putting alcohol on your knees okay <laughs> I'm like putting fucking band-aids on you you're like 35 years old okay <laughs> you're like stupid princess like, okay well, I'm just saying Next time you're acting big and bag and tough with me, just remember that. Um, so a lot of stuff had been happening. And uh, I was like, I'm done. I can't. I can't. So it's Black Friday. I go up the street to Chipotle. I buy like a comfort food order. I bring my ass back. I go in my room and I tell Mr. Curtis and the children, I say, hey, guys, I need some space. I close the door. I lay down. There's nothing to watch. I don't I don't feel like watching something old. I'm like, I'm gonna put on Superstore. At this point, I watch I watched like three seasons of this show <laughs> in like one sitting and was like, this is the best fucking show I've ever had in my life. Now maybe, maybe that was me like glomming onto it in a moment of emotional uh in a moment of emotional like um vulnerability. I don't know. But I was eating my Chipotle. I was lying in my bed. My door was closed. No one was in there. And I watched three seasons of the fucking show. And that's how I found Superstore. And I was like, whatever. I'll just watch like two episodes. And I was like, oh, this show's funny. This show's very funny. And I mean, it, the truth is it got like really good reviews. It's a, It was a popular show. Um, so I don't know what my problem was. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, this is my show. I watched those three seasons. That day, I rewatched them a couple of weeks later and I started watching it when it came on. And, and I was like, yeah, this is my show now. After the sixth season, it went off the air. And to be honest, I, I really like, I miss Superstore a lot. But I think it was a good time for it to go off the air because the last season, the other main character is Amy, Amelia, uh, played by America Ferrer. And America Ferrer left the show at the end of the fifth season. And... 
it felt like it was missing some things. It just did. It, it felt like a different show after she was gone. Because she was, the, the two main characters are Jonah and Amy. Um, America Ferrera, just pause here because I'm about to say something nice about a celebrity, which means that in two weeks they're going to come out and support a puppy fucking or something like that. Something terrible. Not just having sex with dogs, having sex with young dogs. Like, it's going to be something wild. Which is why I don't like talk nicely about celebrities usually. Um, by the way, no celebrity needs you to defend them on the internet ever. 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 You do not need to, there's no reason to defend a celebrity on the internet. And I, and I don't mean say something nice about a celebrity. I mean someone said something not nice about a celebrity and you have to show up and like make sure, defend a celebrity. You don't have to do that. They don't need that. They, don't, they can't see you. You don't get a cookie for it. And you often like... A lot of defense of celebrities is often like, I liked a thing, a piece of content they made. And therefore, and therefore, uh, your feelings about anything they've done are invalid, which is like ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing. You, most of the time, you do not know from whence you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know shit. And your affinity for a person, for a, for a celebrity based on products or content that they give you is fine. But defending them, their personal actions based on you liking a character they play is ridiculous. And like, say, let's save our energy, guys. You don't need to defend anybody. No celebrity on the internet. You just don't have to. And I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but I don't fucking want to hear them. I just like stand culture is too much. That said, I really like America Ferrera and I haven't heard anything bad about her. And I liked the thing she's been in. Uh, she also, uh, okay. Put together is like, I'm putting in quotes cause I don't know, you know how people do things, but she put together this anthology of essays about, um, immigration in America. Um, it might not just have been about immigration. There were a lot of immigration stories, but it was also like just, being a person of color in America. And um, it was really good. I liked it. I, I listened to it, actually. So I got to listen to the um, each story being performed by a performer. I don't think it was the writers, but I really enjoyed it. And like I, there, I can't think of a time I was like, America Ferreira, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> I, I can't think of a time. So I've always like enjoyed the stuff that she was in. I enjoy that she's like, is she mid-size? I don't know what you guys mean by mid-size. Does mid-size mean that you're not like a four, but you're not in plus size? Is that what that means? I don't know. Because plus size is what, 18, 20? What's a mid-size, a 10? A 12? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what you guys mean by that. Like, I can picture someone like on TikTok or... Instagram calling themselves a midsize. And I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're like delusional or something like that. But anyway, I'm, so I'm, I'm probably mistakenly using this, but I think of America Ferrera. Um, she was a larger person for a long time. Cause remember she's, uh, she was in that movie, real women have curves. Um, but she, like every, all, all people are much smaller in person than they are on the screen, right? So, like, however 
plus size America Ferrer used to be, I can't imagine that in person it would be a significant plus size. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I think even when she's playing plus size person, she's mid. That's what I'm thinking. Um, I loved uh, Ugly Betty. I loved Ugly Betty. It was such a good show. So camp. Um, but again, you got to be willing to lean into the camp. I mean, Vanessa Williams playing Wilhelmina Slater, you got to lean into that fucking camp. If you're not willing to do that, you're like, what the fuck am I watching? But I really liked her. I like, I like how she's played on the show. I like how she plays her character on the show. Um, what else attracted to me to this, to this, uh, show? Well, first of all, it's very fucking funny. They have really subtle things that like customers do during interstitials. Like, so like two or three times an episode, there'll be like a customer walking by smelling lotion and licking it or something like just the, the disgusting things people do in retail stores. Like there's an, there's an ongoing joke where, uh, Jeff, who's a regional manager, is dating Mateo, who is a uh, a retail worker, um, and people don't know about it. So he has to keep asking Mateo to come places to do things, uh, so they can see, so they can talk privately. Like uh, there's a fecal swastika in the in the try-on rooms, or uh, there's a large puddle of red liquid that might be blood in out six, or there's a raccoon infest infestation someplace. There's like a lot of, uh, things that if you work in retail are not that far off, right? You know, it's not that far off. It's more like, like retail's disgusting. I suggest you wash your clothes before you wear them. Um, I... The reoccurring, there are small things that are very funny, like the reoccurring thing that you keep finding feet in the parking lot, like severed feet in the parking lot <laughs> over the years. Uh, the raccoon infestation. Uh, when they had that tornado hit the store and then they found the foot and they thought it was Brett and it turned, and they had like a whole memorial for Brett and like a whole thing for Brett and then... Brett shows up to the memorial. He just didn't like, he just didn't, uh, get the memo that the store was reopened. <laughs> they all thought he was dead. Um, or the time they actually did find a dead body in the fucking walls. <laughs> and they're, they always have these meetings in the um, store, in the, in the break room where, so they're finding out that this dude's been dead a long time and like aim and has been in the walls. It's on Halloween too. So it's really hard because people think it's a decoration. People like taking pictures with a dead body, all kinds of things. And he's in the walls because he's drilled holes in the ladies room and used to go in the walls and look at them. He was like a really creepy dude. Um, but they're in the meeting explaining that he's dead, that that smell was not raccoons and that this dude's been dead in the walls. And they're like, and this is why we shouldn't clock in for each other. It's a, it's just a very funny fucking show, guys. Um, just even like little stuff like Amy. So Amy's been working there a long time since high school, starts a part-time job. She got pregnant like right at the end of high school and it just became her job. 
Um, she's got a kid named Emma. She's been married to her high school boyfriend and they've ended up getting divorced like two seasons in. Um, and she wears the, her name tag never says Amy. And it's because she, she tells in the first episode that people, once they know your name, they use it like, like strangers use your name, like they deserve to. And so she, like every time you see, and this is ongoing throughout the season, every time you see Amy, her name tag says something that's not Amy on it. Um, and it's a bit in the first episode and then it just, it's just a background bit for the rest of the time. Like the show is, like I said, the show is very funny in a subtle way. I also think I, I said that it is a hugely diverse cast. It is, there are seven, the first season, there are seven main characters, four of which are not white. Um, uh, they have a wheelchair user in the, in the show they have Sandra, who I believe, I want to say she's Polynesian. I could be wrong about this. Uh, they say she's from Hawaii, but can't swim. <laughs> Sandra is a very funny fucking character. Like, so fucking funny. What is the name of the woman who plays Sandra? She is, like, I hope she's in a lot of stuff because she's, like, a great, um, uh, She's like a great physical comedy actress. Um, oh my God. I'm never going to say the name of this character. The, 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 her name is Kaliko Koala. Kawaha. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not, I'm not trying to fuck up this woman's name. Um, she was on Parks and Recs and she was on Raven's Home. I really hope she gets, cause she is such a, a, uh, physical like her face like there are times when she just like when she has to do something and her body just like is like check I'm in and it's so fucking good but she's on the show and and we have uh Filipino Mateo and like there are just lots of people on different types of people on the show there are lots of different bodies on the show you know how sometimes we're watching tv shows and everybody even someone's supposed to be playing someone that's kind of ugly. Like, they're like, oh, she's super plain. And I'm like, yeah, she's super plain in terms of, like, in, in fantasy world, right? This is not a super plain. She's an actress. This is obviously not a super plain person. Like, when the, when, when the character, when the lady who plays Sandra plays Sandra, she is doing such a good shot, job at it. And, like, at no point do I think she is a former Miss America pretending to be a down on her luck retail worker who has like a hard time finding love and like Sandra's character actually makes so so I told you Mateo and Jeff date Mateo Jeff is a regional uh manager Mateo is an undocumented uh gay man uh uh living in by the way this is also set in St. Louis Missouri and they start and and Jeff's a white guy they start dating but it has to keep it a secret because everybody knows who's worked in some place like this that like a regional manager isn't allowed to date the cashier. That's not how it works. Uh, so they keep it a secret. But it kind it doesn't really get out. But what happens is somebody assumes that Sandra and Jeff like like each other or something. And Sandra runs with it and says that she's dating him. Starts buying gifts from him all the time. 
it's supposed to, she's like, this is a secret relationship, but she keeps telling them all about it. It's a, it's not true. Like at one point she buys herself a horse and carriage. Like <laughs> she's going in the debt. And so she just wants someone to like her. So <laughs> the first moment when she's about to lie, you're like, oh, she's about to be like, oh no, not me. I wouldn't date Sandra. I mean, I wouldn't date, no, nothing's going on. And she just, like I said, her body locks in and she starts to tell the longest fucking lie in which Jeff, in her lie, Jeff says, show me your taters. And she did. She goes, and then I did. And then she starts doing it. And it's, and like, we all, cause as, as the audience, we all we're privy to everything that's going on. We're all like, she's fucking lying. And she's just sitting there. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but the, I'm off track. The The show is like, it's, you know, a lot of shows will be diverse and they'll be like, we're going to find five really hot LA people. And then we're going to make one of them black and bam, diversity. Or we have written these characters as all white people, but we must get someone of color on the screen. So we'll just change. We'll just find and replace on the script uh, Caucasian with black. <laughs> so then we have things like, I don't know, Winston <laughs> and new girl going to, <laughs> going to, going to be a cop from a long line of cops. Not saying black people don't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, is that the storyline we wanted? Like we're writing him like he's a, like he's a white guy and he's not. Like the whole time we're writing him like he's a white guy. And the only way reason we're not writing him like a white guy is when we give him a love interest, the love interest is black. That's the only time. But Superstore is very different. I'm not I like I'm not privy to the writer's room. I don't know what's going on. Also don't know what's going on in the new girls writer's room. I didn't know anything about that either. But in terms of uh like it feels like I'm just telling you what it feels like as a viewer, because I don't know actually know what happened. Um, as a viewer, it feels like they did not just go in there and say, like, it was written, it was written for lots of different types of people. Or as the, as they got them cast, they tried to incorporate. Um, and like I said, diversity in body size, like these people are all different types of sizes. They, they, not, not all of them look like, uh, like their their ex models. <laughs> it it's just really interesting to me. I think the misstep they made was Garrett um is not a wheelchair user. Like the actor who plays Garrett is not a wheelchair user. And I think like in the best of like if they were doing everything right, they would have got he either wouldn't be in the wheelchair or he they would have gotten a wheelchair user to play him. But I understand I'm asking for a lot. I'm just I'm I'll be happy for the day when I'm not asking for a lot. Asking for a lot. Um but th- that said, the show writes Garrett as a person and not a wheelchair user first. In fact, there's only really one episode in which, well, there might be two episodes. So uh, one episode in which they're doing the um, the company magazine for Cloud9 and Garrett hates when this happens because the photographer always comes and wants a picture of him because he's, he's, he has a disability. So he can, he can be like, on the cover, living life in his wheelchair. And he's like running from the photographer at all hour, like all day and night, uh, trying not to be on the cover of this thing. Like there's just a bunch of scenes with him just doing the bird, just going up and down the aisles, doing the bird and shit because <laughs> so we can't take a picture of him. 
put on the thing. Um, in the end, he uses this power to get Glenn on the cover because Glenn really wants it. And he's just like, all right, come here. And like puts his arm around them and the photographer takes a picture and he ends up being on the, because he's like, I'm going to be on the cover. Uh, the other time it was an important storyline is that no one knows how Garrett is in the wheelchair, whether he's been in there for all his life, whether he had an accident, whether he had, like, what, why is he in the chair? Because it's not, like, important to his character. He's in the chair, period. And Jonah, who really wants to be friends with Garrett, but Garrett's, like, a, like a sassy guy who plays a lot of video games and, you know, is in the shoes and, uh which they make fun of because he doesn't use shoes because he doesn't walk. And he's like, I still got feet, motherfucker. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> um, and Jonah's an NPR-loving, uh, very liberal, pronounces Cuba like Cuba because he's trying so hard. <laughs> like, and, like, Garrett's not in that. Garrett's rude. Garrett's sarcastic. The first day he tells Jonah, just walk around with a box. Go from place to place with a box. And no one will ask you what you're doing. Like, he, he's... He, that's who he is as a person. And Jonah really wants to be friends. Actually, he has to start living with him once the tornado hits and fucks up his house and they become the odd couple in a lot of ways. But that said, like, Jonah's like, we're very good friends. How come I don't know? And so he spends the day trying to find out. And Garrett realizes pretty early on that like, oh, you're trying to figure out why I'm in this wheelchair and basically like trolls him the rest of the day. Uh, But we never, I don't, we never find out. And it's not, a huge part of his storyline. Um, I think those are the only two times that I can remember Garrett's wheelchair being in, at the forefront of his character. And like I said, I think that's perfect. Um, the only thing that would have been better if they actually got a wheelchair user to play the role. Um, what else? Oh, they went there with a lot of stuff. Like... Uh, there's multiple abortion storylines. There's one time, so Amy gets pregnant by, and she's not quite sure who it is. <laughs> At least that's the, the, I mean, Amy's like, listen, I didn't have sex with that guy. This guy, this, and blah, blah, blah. It's her ex-husband's. Uh, but for most of the episode, they're like, we don't know who Amy's pregnant by. And they're like doing like a, a leaderboard, like trying to figure it out. Like they're trying to help her with it. And somebody mistakes it as a list to sign up to have sex with Amy and they start sign, sign up, start happening. And so, <laughs> but Amy, um, she's just like, oh my fucking God, I'm pregnant. I have like a 14 year old. I just divorced. Me and my husband are getting her in the middle of divorce and I'm pregnant by him. And like Dina's driving her and it's just like, uh, so are we going like, are you get like, basically I need to put my GPS in. Am I taking you to the clinic? Like, where am I taking you? And I love how, like, they normalize this type of, like, conversation. Because these are conversations people have, regardless of what, like, TV makes you think. Um, they talk about unionizing. They talk about class warfare. They Like, it's really... These are subjects that sitcoms don't always touch. And it's one of the reasons I really like Roseanne. Because Roseanne was a working class family on the edge of poverty. They, much like me growing up, they were upper poor. And so, because <laughs> we do have this house, we do have two families working here, we can order a pizza that night. That said, we don't know about tomorrow. And like, I I really resonate. We, we had a lot of working class comedies and we don't always have that now. Um, 
So, but I like that the show dealt with things like that. They talked about things that, that sitcoms aren't like, especially like family sitcoms. Cause the ones that are centered on a family, which people love because they can just, who, what famous person fucking said that, that like, they love sitting their sick, their sitcoms in families because then they don't have to be diverse. They could just all be white or something like that. somebody fuck. I can't remember who said it, but it was so stupid. Um, like Amy fucked Jonah while she was pregnant with another man's baby. Like the first time they had sex was right when she found out she was pregnant. She finally kissed him. And then they had a big argument where he had a girlfriend and, and and he's like, you wait till I had a girlfriend and you were pregnant to kiss me. And I've been here for years waiting for you. And I was like, Ooh, Amy, he's not fucking telling, he's not lying. Like, what is this about? And then they have sex and it's accidentally on camera and they both get suspended, which is so fucking funny. And when they come back, so that's the end of season. Gosh, is it two? It might be three. It might be three. So they come back. Um, for the next season after being suspended because uh, they accidentally had sex in front of like a camera that was broadcasting the whole entire for the uh, for like some global town hall the they were having so it went to all the stores um, so they come back Amy's fully fucking pregnant now like everybody knows Amy's pregnant Amy's super pregnant and um everyone's treating Amy like they're making fun of Jonah. Like they're calling him, I don't know, sex boy or something. They're, they're all like giving Jonah the business, but nobody's making fun of Amy. And the reason she, she realized the reason they're not making fun of her is because she's a woman and she should be ashamed of what happened. And Jonah is a man and shouldn't, and like, it's cool. And so she gets like really mad about it. And she's like, I have sex. I like sex. And like, she's like talking and she's like having this big, talk with all the people like with, like you need to make fun of me too I want a sex name too and like and what happens they have this kid working there who he looks 14 to me but he might have been 16 um they have this kid working there and he's like I really appreciate your your uh thing about sex um like you saying you like sex and everything and like it was like yeah okay cool and he's like so um you want to have sex with me? And she's like, what? And he's got a condom. And then she's like, absolutely not. And then he starts crying. And then he goes inside one of the like tents and one of the displays and won't come out. And he's like, can you call my mom? And they're like, we called your mom. She won't answer. We called your stepdad. He says he doesn't care. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, they end up having the, they end up having to go to the fucking break room. And, and Amy's like, listen, I like, don't treat me any fucking differently. I'll answer questions. And so it becomes this roundhouse of questions where people are like, um, it looks like uh, Jonah had an orgasm. Did you have an orgasm? And Amy's like, uh, Jonah, did you? <laughs> she's he's like, yes. And she's like, no, I didn't have an orgasm, but I still enjoyed it. Next question. And like, there's just all these questions. And this is a fully, like, obviously pregnant woman. Um... And the episode is about, like, I'm not going to be fucking ashamed of having sex. I'm not going to be ashamed of being pregnant. I'm not going to be ashamed of any of these things. And you guys are going to treat me the same. And it was just, like, a real... And this is, I believe this is the episode. Like, so what we know is that Jonah and Amy had sex the season before. 
They finally got together. Uh, will they, won't they? Finally got together. Very Jim and Pam, which makes sense because the guy who is from The Office. Um, but they, but not very Jim and Pam at the same time. So they had sex. Amy's pregnant by her ex-husband. And they come back after being suspended and all these other stuff. And all this stuff happens. And at the end of the day, they're walking towards the cars. And they're laughing about like, he was like, did you get what you wanted? And she's like, yeah. like, And and then she says, he, he says something like, I have a really important question. She He asks her, um, does she want like Italian or Mexican that night or something like that? Like they're going to eat dinner together. And they like kiss. And it was such a moment because again, they lit, like this whole episode, they come back. We're like, oh, I guess they're not together. And because at one point someone's like, are you and are you and Jonah going to get married? Is that Jonah's baby? now?" And she's like, no, that's not how it works. Also, people can have sex with each other. Sometimes they like it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're together. Sometimes they like it's it's just it was such a sex positive episode, to be honest. And then at the end for the last moment for them to kiss and you'd be like, they are together now. And it was just so I don't know. It was such a good episode. And a lot of things that people just don't talk about and a lot of things that like. And well, a lot of people were writing that they would want to make it less messy. They would want Jonah not, I mean, Amy not to be pregnant with her ex-husband's baby and then now, and to just start dating Jonah and stuff like, but they made it work and it's, it, I, I loved it. I, I, I love that part of it. Um, I love that it's not set in LA or New York. Many shows are set in LA and New York. You know why? Cause that's where the writers of these shows live, but it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, like, why was Modern Family set in L.A.? Why? Because the writers, that's where the writers room was. That's why. But Modern Family would have made so much sense in Kansas City. Uh, people live other places. In fact, most people live other places. And I, like, anytime I see, like, some new show or even a book, I'm like... I understand that you've got it set here because this is where you live and it's, now you can tell them about your favorite cheesecake uh, store on 7th or whatever. I get that. But a lot of these premises make more sense not there. You know what I mean? I love that it was set in St. Louis and that Jonah was this like, not hot shot, but like he had his life on track. To, he was in business school in Chicago and he just started driving and... So he stopped there and filled out an application and made a whole new life there because he was so burnt out. And I just think that's so, I mean, they do make fun of him because he, because he is very, he's very coastal for St. Louis. Like he's always got a podcast and they're like, uh, he'll be like, so I watched this documentary and everyone goes, oh, stop telling us about these documentaries. It's very funny. But I love that, that they obviously try something different and and sometimes I'm not saying it's lazy but it's lazy a lot of it's lazy we don't like I don't need another sitcom about five friends that live together in New York City I don't need that I don't need that even the ones that are set in Chicago I'm always like I I see you tried I see you tried but we could do better something like my boy so you guys remember that it was on TBS oh my god I used to love that show it's about uh, PJ, a girl who, who lives in, a woman, excuse me, a woman who lives in Chicago. She's a sports writer and she only has guy friends and she has, and her brother. So she has like three guy friends and her brother and they all hang out together. I think actually Jeff from Superstore was in that, was on, on that show, I think. I can't. Anyway, it was, but I appreciate you trying to be set somewhere other than 
New York or LA. But again, we can try harder. There are other places to live. There are other things to do. And yeah, that's one of the that's one of the small reasons why I liked it. Um, any criticisms I had for it? I think when America left the show at the end of season five, they should have let the show go. And I, because season six was a different show. I appreciate that she came back for the finales for the last few. I think it's two episodes of the finale. The finale and the episode before, maybe that, maybe three. But I appreciate that she came back, and I uh, thank you, show, for getting her, and thank you, America, for coming back because I needed to like in that clip that off that that story off. Um, I also, okay, so season six was the court was the COVID season and I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. Um, first of all, I don't want to watch COVID on TV. I think that it's very hard for people to do COVID on TV. This is us did COVID and like, it's obvious that the writers understood like there are certain precautions that would be taken. And so they were write in like, we all got our test. Um, so happy to be here at uh, this old uh, plantation in Louisiana where my where my mother's mother's mother grew up. We Thank God we all got our COVID tests and uh, we all came back negative. And also, should we wear these masks? We, like, it was just like, dude, I'm living this. I don't want to do this. And I understand that working in a retail store like a Walmart during COVID was an experience. All right. By the way, COVID's not, but okay. Uh, an experience, the way people were acting, not having any PPE, uh, long lines, people trying to hoard toilet paper. Everyone got so, people were calling them heroes, but they weren't being paid more. Um, everyone was on their rudest fucking behavior in there. And like, yeah, dude, like, um, I understand they wanted to tell those stories, but the problem was this. One, you guys all have masks on and I can't always understand what you're saying, right? So that's bad for like the structure of the show. Two, a lot of you aren't wearing masks and because I'm actually living in COVID times and I'm looking at you wearing a mask around your around your chin as you talk to these uh, customers, I'm like, that's not where the mask goes. Like technically you guys aren't even supposed to be standing that close to each other. This should be a wide shot. It was very, it, it was, it took me out of the experience. And I just really appreciate a lot of these shows that just for like COVID didn't exist. P-Valley is similar. P-Valley is similar. And like, I was like, oh my God, I understand why you want to address COVID, but like, there's no way for you to address it in a responsible way. On P-Valley, people are literally been like, take that mask off so we can hear you. I'm like, no, don't take it off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It just frustrated me. Um, what else? Any other criticisms? I already talked about how, uh, the guy who plays Garrett is in a wheelchair user and they knocked it out of the park. If they, if they could have done that, America leaving. What else? What else? What else? I think those are my only like big criticisms. The show's like damn near perfect. I want to talk about some of the, oh, I want to talk about how it ended. I think I talked a little bit about it on the show, on, on this, on this podcast about how it ended. The finale was, one of the things I liked about the way they wrote Superstore is that it was pretty realistic. Like people lost a lot of times. Like they, (laughs) there's this one time where Jonah is like trying to come up with like, so every time they don't have good health insurance, it's very evident by when Amy gives birth, Dina, um, carries a baby for the manager, Glenn, who's from Kids Next Door, uh, 
just a legend on the fucking screen. <laughs> and and for his family, she's a surrogate. Um, they pay him. They pay her to do it. And so she's on his manager's manager's um, salary. I mean, insurance. And Amy's on a worker's insurance. And they're both giving birth at the same time. And like just showing like the difference in like what what they go through like if at first they're at a really they're both at a nice hospital and basically like hospital management comes in and basically tells amy she gotta go because she can't afford to be there and they send her to this clinic where like it turns out she doesn't have a private room the person in the room is dead next to her the entire time the doctor that comes in is incredibly old and cannot hear and like is quite might not be licensed like a lot of stuff and they talk about stuff like that when amy amy becomes a manager in season five i think after being like a supervisor for years and years and years a floor supervisor for years and years she becomes a uh, a manager and it immediately changes her life in terms of like what she can afford what she can't afford how she can actually throw her daughter a nice quinces as opposed to what she thought she was going to be able to do. And like, just, that was very realistic. The show is very realistic. They often lose at things. Oh, the, with, the, with the health insurance. There's one year where, you know, they always have to like, if somebody get hurt, they have to like put a jar near the cat, near the, near the checkout to see if people will donate to help them like go to the fucking clinic. And so Jonah's like, we could all put in and we could just like, you know, put the money in and save it. And then somebody needs it. And what happens is Jonah accidentally invents universal healthcare and then immediately realizes why this can't happen. Not universal healthcare, but why all the bumps in making it work. And like he, then he starts trying to like put people in tears and then they started talking about death panel. It was it like the show was very realistic in terms of like, listen, there's not all these happy endings all the time. It just isn't. Okay. But the finale was really the at the finale, they decided to go mush on us, which, you know, I'm not a super mushy person. I'm not sentimental. And that finale killed me. And I like cried throughout the finale as we were saying goodbye to everyone one of the like through themes was that Garrett was like guys store's closing no I'm not gonna put down my email address we're not gonna hang out we're co-workers not friends yada 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 and like everyone else is like this is the last time we're gonna clean up a, a feces swastika and he's like yeah 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 last time great this is just a job and so everyone else is like engaging in all these like moments for the finale and Garrett isn't. Garrett does the the uh, the announcements. So he goes to do the last announcement. Basically saying the store's closing and it's going to be closed. So get what you need out of here because it's not opening again. And he starts to give this fucking speech that I cried all the way through. And then they do this fucking montage where they show what the future is. And how Amy and Jonah, who had broken up during at the end of season five so she could go off, you know, America left the show. Um, Amy and Jonah, like, get married and have another kid. One that's biologically Jonah's. 
it's, that's a running joke. And like they moved to L- they moved to LA together. I think they moved to LA together because that's where the corporate thing is. Um, Glenn, who's been working for Clout Nine for so fucking long because he used to work. His dad used to have a hardware store in town, and he used to work there. And then the hardware store put his dad's. I mean, Clout Nine put his dad's store out of business, and he started working at Clout Nine. And he was supposed to retire. In fact, in season five, when Amy becomes the manager, it's because Glenn decides to retire and go back to being a shift, a, a, a shift employee because he's like, I just want his life to be better. But he didn't want to retire. He, he like the whole, the whole time he's supposed to retire, he hates it. He doesn't want to. He's like, and what he does is he opens a little hardware store where he hires Mateo, who's an undocumented, we'll talk about that. He hires Mateo under the table and he gets Cheyenne there and they just, it goes back to a similar time. Uh, Dina gets a promotion because they're making this in, they're making this Clout 9 into it, like a fulfillment center. So uh, for their online store. And so she brings in a lot of people with her and they still hang out. And on the first episode, Jonah is new and he's, and he's like, idealistic he's very liberal he's very much like we can we can change the world and and amy's like the world is what the fucking world is like you haven't worked here for but two fucking seconds wait until you're cleaning up urine out of the milk out of the milk display okay calm down and he says this thing about moments like stopping for moments of fancy or something like that and she gives a speech about how her world is dictated by the displays in the store. How there's going to be a, a a school back to school special with these little star with these little like glow in the dark stars. There's going to I mean there's then after she's done that, she's going to put together a Halloween display and then Thanksgiving and then and how it goes over and over and over and over and how her day her her life is feels like a groundhog day. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And at the end of the episode, Jonah put up all these like glow in the dark stickers. You know, the star stickers that like, uh, when you turn the lights off, they glow green. He puts them up to like do something different. Uh, and it's the beginning of like, you know, their romance. The fact is people compare them to Jim and Pam. I actually like Jonah and Amy a lot more because Jim and Pam, sometimes I was like, like Jonah and Amy fight all the time. And that's my experience. I just don't know anyone who's just always happy with somebody. I just don't know that. And maybe that's like a fault of mine. Like I, I start off this episode talking about how I'm in a fight with Mr. Curtis. I'm no longer in a fight with Mr. Curtis because he's already apologized in here. And he's already been like, I'm sorry I said it that way. And, da, 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 and then he was half listening to my podcast. And he was like, you're right about blah, blah. Like I, I, I've, he's already apologized. And all he needs now is to build a fucking time machine to go back and never let that happen again. But... <laughs> But like, that's my experience with relationships. Relationships are not just two people with no feelings and opinions, just like staring at a TV together. Relationship or like, you know, doing cute shit in a break room. That's relationships are like, I think this way and you think this way. And I'm upset because you said that. And, and like making our way through that. Like I do not hide that I'm fighting with my husband for my kids. I want to model that. You can argue with someone with one without hitting them, 
without going below the belt and resolving it and still love them because that's how relationships are. Now that said, I like to hit below the belt, so we're gonna have to do better than that. But like, cause I can say some mean fucking shit. I got a mouth, I just do. But I want to model that like, someone could be upset with you and that doesn't mean that the, the relationship's over and like, and like we need to get away from that person. Like we can work our ways through it. And so like Pam and Jim towards the end of the office, when they finally have that fight, because his, didn't he move to St. Louis? He moved somewhere. <laughs> he moved somewhere. Again, the office is not, well, it's set near New York, but I liked that it was in Scranton. Like people live in Scranton. That's what they do. And so, but because he, he decided to get a sports marketing job of some sort and she's there with the kids and he's not recording. And like, everybody's got a lot of drama. And, and like, yeah, you guys need to have a fucking argument because sometimes people have arguments. And all of Pam and Jim's previous arguments were like cutesy things. And I'm like, no, sometimes it's a real fucking argument. Um, Ted Lasso, right? I like Ted Lasso a lot. I didn't think I was going to like it. I didn't want to fucking watch it because people were like, it's the heart of television. Like, I don't like that. I don't like people pretending that everything's okay because most of the time things aren't okay. And the thing that we have to realize is that things aren't okay, but we're still going to be okay. That's important to know. And so I don't want to watch a show where everybody's shitting like rainbows and puppies and sunshine. I don't want to watch that. And so, but I did watch, I had to watch like three episodes of, Ted Lasso. Now, this is the thing. Ted Lasso is not the best thing on TV. I enjoy it a lot. But people talk about it like it's the next coming, and I don't believe that. But I started to see the nuances in the characters. And I said to myself, that's it. That's it right there. Ted's Ted's an alcoholic. Ted's dad killed himself. Ted is overly nice and hokey and stuff because he is trying to, to fight back the darkness in himself. And it, it pops out sometimes with his panic attacks. With, like, I was like, that's the story right there. That's, I hate to be the person that's like, I'm looking for the darkness at all times. But the fact is, there's darkness everywhere. And pretending like it's not, is like ridiculous. And once we got there, I was like, I like this story a lot. I like this story. And then I can enjoy all the nice parts where Ted's being super nice and doing puns. And so I can enjoy that because I'm like, there's more to this character than just like, I'm a really nice person and nobody else is. That's not true. That's not a true thing that happens. What am I talking about? Oh, I'm talking about the arguments. And so like, I like Amy and Jonah better because they do argue. They are opposite attract type people. And they do fight about things and they do have conflict and they make it to the other side. I think a lot of times when people... <sighs> People are afraid of conflict because they don't know how we get through, but we can. It's possible. You just have to stay here, stand your ground, open your fucking ears, express yourself to be respectful. Don't hit anybody. <laughs> and like, and even and getting to the other side doesn't mean that we all agree now. It can also be like, hey, actually, this is a really big thing that I just can't give on. And you can't either, right? All right, well. Maybe we need to make different living arrangements. Like that's possible. I love, anyway. I think they also, in terms of like, um, so and so, at the end, in the in the finale, they, as they're as Garrett's doing his voiceover, that I was like, oh my fucking god, I'm gonna, I'm crying. Um, 
we see Amy and Jonah putting their kids to sleep. And when they close the door, there are all these like glow in the dark stars on the, on the ceiling. And I was like, ah, I love a callback. I love a callback. My, my sitcom heart loves a fucking callback. And so, um, I just did that whole thing about the, them arguing all the time. I want to say that this show does relationships really well. It's not just the Amy and Jonah one. Garrett and Dina end up in a relationship and it's, it's, they actually argue about what their relationship is. In fact, they have to sign something for the company because they're in a relationship and they, they, they're on like a six hour, uh, conference call with corporate trying to figure out which box they should check because they're not fuck buddies because they're not buddies and there's not a box for hate fucking and there's also not like it's just like a lot but their relationship grows over time Dina's a very special character in that she is a larger woman she's a weird woman someone who likes to like go duck hunting and like and like she, she has a house full of birds. She's a bird person, weirdo already. And she's also very Dwight-like in that she's like law and order. Let's give everybody a drug test. Like she's an assistant manager. And she fucks. Like at first she really wants Jonah and Jonah's not into it. And at the end of the day, she's leaving with some other person. Um, I think it's Marcus. And she goes... She goes, uh, he goes, I'm, he's like apologizing. She's like, no sweat. You're pretty, but there's a lot of pretty around here and gets in the car and drives off and I guess goes home and fucks Marcus. And so like, I just really enjoy a strong character like that, that like (laughs) she is very quirky, very her own person, very unattractive for a number of reasons, but also like, listen, I got good tots and, um, I can put my hair down and put on some makeup and I'll find somebody and I'll fuck who I want. I really like that about her. I also enjoy that Glenn is very religious. He, the first season he's taking a lot of foster kids, but then he decides he wants to have his own fresh baby. (laughs) Fresh out the puss. And his, like, he's very religious. He, his pastor comes in a lot. It's obvious he's been, his pastor has been stealing from him. In fact, he catches Mateo do like lying. You know those signups that you have with the, uh, where you put your email address in and like you have to get a certain amount of signups and he's been lying. He's been making up addresses and he catches him in a way that like, at first I was, you're like, it's just Glenn. Glenn's stupid. And he's got that stupid voice like, and, and he catches Mateo and, the way Mateo makes it up to them is he lets Glenn baptize him. <laughs> and I'd have been like, absolutely not. I just remember this one time. I think it was my dad's 50th birthday. And we were having it at his church. My parents love to go to that fucking church. They love it. They, every time I call them, they're at church. I'm like, how many times a week do you have to go to fucking church? Like, why? Like, they're scamming you. They keep saying you're coming here for a luncheon, but this is church. If they mention Jesus, it's church. And so he was my dad was having it there and my brother who was actually quite religious was like listen um but he was fucking with me he was like listen um i think they're gonna try to baptize you i was like what he's like yeah they they told me that they were gonna like baptize you they were gonna like 
like he was going to make a speech and then at the middle of his speech he was going to ask did you want to get baptized and they were going to try to like get you into I was like absolutely not I was like I'm not coming this is when I was living in New York I was like I was taking a China bus down I was like I'm not going not no they should know and I finally realized he was fucking with me because he was like well they do have a backup plan what they're gonna do is they're gonna put this holy water in like a water gun and they can just run by and baptize you real quick they just squirt you and they just start saying something about Jesus real quick and then then you're a Christian. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Then I knew he was joking. But I did call my mom and I was like, listen, there's no plans to like try to keep me in this church, right? She's like, we're barely letting you go into church. I was like, okay, just checking. Anyway. <laughs> um so gosh, I'm off track. What was I saying? One of my favorite episodes of Glenn, I don't remember where I was, but one of my favorite episodes of Glenn is Oh, I like that Dina's always telling Glenn that he can't have prayer moments. Like he's like, and we're gonna pray for a minute. He's like, nope, nope. And she's like, that's against the rules in the rule book. And he's like, he's like, okay, we're gonna have a moment of silence for God. She's like, nope. <laughs> like I like that about Dina that she's a stickler for the rules and she's always trying to, but she's also like, I'm a sexual being. Like what the fuck? <laughs> um, Glenn is the. It's such a, like his wife's name Jerusalem and they're like very religious and everything. But I really liked, Glenn had some standout moments like when Amy's daughter was like 15 or 14 and she was like, you know, acting like a teenager. She's like, I don't, and they were getting in the middle of divorce. She's like, I don't know why. She's, I, Emma's acting like this. She's all secretive. She's got a bad attitude. She's doing this, she's doing that. And Glenn's just looks at her and goes, Amy, are you stupid? <laughs> she, she's like, what? And she realizes, oh, she's a fucking teenager. Like, I think there's something wrong, but there's nothing wrong. I'm just the worst person in the world and will be for the next five to seven years. And, oh, another great moment is when, so they're talking, oh. <laughs> In the, in the work meeting, in, in the, the team meeting they have, by the way, they hardly ever leave the store. They very rarely do we leave the store. Like Cheyenne's wedding, uh, Emma's Kinsis, uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. Kinsis? I, I, for some reason I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Um, a couple of times they leave, Amy giving birth, a couple of times they leave the store, but mostly they're in the store. So they're in this team meeting in the morning. And Jonah has said something. Oh, Jonah finds out that this is early, early. Jonah finds out that Amy has a kid and is married. And he stumbles over himself because he, because he sounded stupid. And it, he ends up like trying to talk, walk it back. And, and he was like, I'm glad you have a baby. Or, I'm glad that you have a baby if you want a baby. If you don't want a baby, I'll take you to an abortion clinic. I'll, I'll give you a ride anytime you need to, to an abortion clinic. And Glenn's like, please don't offer rides to abortion clinics. <laughs> what do you guys think the worst Supreme Court uh, decision has ever been? Now, this is funny back when, back then. <laughs> I saw it last night. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like, but um, he finds out, like, because they're talking about how, like, like, Clout9 is not religiously affiliated and they do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it's the episode where, where, 
where Jonah doesn't want to work the gun, the gun counter. And originally, Amy says he doesn't have to. This is early on. Amy says he doesn't have to, but then everybody wanted to switch. I don't want to walk in, walk in, work in soft lanes. I don't want to work in the freezer department. And she was like, no, 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 no. Everybody go where you're supposed to go. And so he has to work it, and, but he refuses to sell guns. Like all day, anytime someone's like asking about it, he's like, no, no. How's your mood? Oh, you're upset. Uh-huh. That, are you seeing a therapist? Like, he's like refusing to sell guns, which causes there to be a protest of people showing up with guns to the store like they fucking do. Like, it's so fucking wild. I would close the store that day. I'd be like, no, store's closed. Bye. And so anyway, um, but there, during this episode, they mentioned that Jonah has like, like he's opposed to guns and Glenn's like, well, I understand that. Like, I couldn't work here if we sold, like, Plan B or something like that. And Dina's like, they sell Plan B here, like, right over in the fucking pharmacy. So Glenn runs over there. He's like, what? He, by the way, Glenn is the store manager. He is the manager of the entire store. He goes, he goes over there. And he, to the pharmacy, and someone's there to buy the morning after pill. And he, in a rush to make sure that they don't buy the morning after pill, Glenn buys all of them. What he doesn't realize is they cost, they're not cheap, babe. <laughs> so he buys all of them and he spends all his money, like, like clears out his bank account because they ring him up. And it's like, I don't know. I want to say thousands of dollars, but it could have easily been like 1600, whatever. It was, it was a sniffing amount of money for Glenn. So... Then Glenn's like, I need to get my money back. So in a hilarious turn of events, he's now trying to sell the plant because they don't do refunds on uh, morning after pills. He's now in the store trying to sell the morning after pill he was trying to prevent anybody from having moments before, like earlier in the episode. So now he's like walking around trying to see if anybody might have had unprotected sex. And he's like trying to sell them at a discount. It's, 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 farcical it's very funny um any other characters i want to point out the cheyenne character is the same woman that fucked lip in college she was the asian girl in college they she went to miami to see she was adopted she met her family in miami blah, blah blah she's that girl and i it took me a while to realize that but cheyenne's such a great character she's a high schooler who is pregnant at the beginning of the series and she gives birth and like she's a her boyfriend's name is Bo. They they end up getting married, um, but she re- she represents youth in the place, like in a way that like like Amy like Amy's an old lady. She's in her thirty. She's an old lady, but Cheyenne's like eighteen, and her and Mateo make a great care couple because they're a couple. They make a great team, like um, because they are both like in the pop culture and like stuff like that. In that. Everyone else in the store are not. And I guess the, the reason they're saying that is because Mateo's gay, which I don't love, but that stereotype. But I'll forgive it because the two characters together are so fun. Um, Cheyenne's got a boyfriend named Bo who is fucking hilarious. I don't know what's wrong, but like the first episode or maybe the second episode, he proposes to her in the store with his like, no, that's not the, he does a couple of musical performances, but one, he's rapping Oh, they're trying to do a jingle so that they can get some money from the store, like whoever's jingle they pick. And they are, um, 
he's doing it, but like his jingle includes like he's he's like supposed to be like a white rapper. But it's 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 so funny. It's like God's a black woman. Uh, peace in the Middle East. <laughs> like it's a very funny rap. Anyway, he's a he's like a scumbag, and he's such a funny character. And the two of them together are great. Um, yeah, like. Cheyenne's one of her, my favorite bits is like there's an episode where I think Amy just had the baby and Amy um is tired she can't she does she doesn't actually get maternity leave even though she's been working there for years and years and years because when she got suspended for having sex with Jonah and on, on camera and blasting it out to all the stores they reset her so now she so she has to come back right after like moments after she has the fucking baby and so she's very tired and so there's a halloween costume in uh contest in the store and if you win you get like some extra days off or something like that and cheyenne is young and hot and she's wearing like i believe cheyenne's half asian it doesn't matter but like i just want to say that i'm saying that to say that like any, all the characteristics of a typical exotic hot girl, that's what she looks like. Um, and she is, she's like in a hula costume and like with, with like coconut boobs and stuff. And what happens is Amy is trying to win this contest so badly that she is going around getting people to change out of her costume by claiming they're culturally inappropriate because it happens once and then she's like, oh my God. So one of the things she goes to, she's like, Cheyenne, they're objectifying your body. Uh, who wasted that coconut that you you got on your boobs? And Cheyenne's like, I didn't I didn't do anything with the coconut. I just put the, the shells on my boobs. And she's like, it's, it's, it's such a small moment, but it's so fucking funny. It's so funny. Um... Mateo's uh, storyline, and it started off so small and it just, it went through like seasons is that Mateo's undocumented. And he finds this out when the guy that he's dating, Jeff, the regional manager, he asked, comes out and he has to move to a different store and they need his social security number and birth certificate. And that's when it becomes a problem. Mateo finds out, I want to say a few episodes earlier when they're talking about American citizenship, okay? And for some reason, and he just, he doesn't, like they're talking about all the ways it takes, you know, it's probably Jonah because Jonah, like that's, he'll be like, oh, they make you do all these things to be a citizen and most citizens can't answer the questions. And Mateo's like, yeah, you just go down to the birth certificate, to the social security store, social security card store. And they're all like, What? And he's like, yeah, that's what you do. I went with my grandma. And then we get a conversation that's in, um, it's in, um, Tagalog. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong. Is it Tagalog or Tagalog? Tagalog is a, is a, uh, Tagalog. Tagalog is a name of a Girl Scout cookie. (laughs) What? Tagalog. Um, he's having this conversation in Tagalog. So we, I think they have little words at the bottom, but you don't even need it. It's basically him calling his grandma and being like, did you buy my social security card at a social security card store? And like the look on his face, like you don't even hear her. (laughs) The look on his face is like, 
oh, <laughs> he finds out. Well, like many, like many small children found out, like many people who were brought here as kids to America found out that he's undocumented. So that goes, so then they let that rest and it just goes on and on. And he ends up having to break up with Jeff because Jeff, to move, to move to the new store, he needs to get the stuff he needs and they're going to run it through the machine and stuff. And like, they're not the machine, but there's a, like, there's a government program that like bounces it back. Um, and if it's not right and he can't let Jeff know he's undocumented later, he finally tells him Jeff quits his job and it's like, no, I'm not. And so what happens is that it goes on. It's a un, it's an undercurrent. There's a, there's a season, there's an episode where Cheyenne's trying to, they, the guy that died in the walls, they're going to steal his passport. And so he can go. So Mateo, they're going to do makeup to make him look like that guy. So he can go visit his, go to a wedding in the Philippines so he can get in and out of the country. Um, there is, there's just, there, it's just small reminders that Mateo's undocumented, right? So, um, we think he's about to get caught and Glenn, like, we're also worried that he's going to get caught because Glenn has to like redo everyone's like, check everyone's like social security numbers and all this stuff or their documentation. And final, and Glenn, who's, you know, just went bankrupt buying morning after pills so no one could have it. And like, we understand what, and Glenn's very American and like, America is the best place to live ever and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I know how Glenn feels about undocumented. I can guess. And so we're sitting in a long hallway while he gives him a social security number. And basically he's like, my social security number is one, two, three, four. <laughs> and Glenn goes back to the office and you see, we see him walking by. He's Mateo's with Cheyenne and they're like, oh, this is it. This is it. And Glenn goes, everything checked out and walks away. And it's like, oh, Glenn just did you a solid. It, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just a nice moment. But what happens is that Towards the end of the, the series, there's a lot of unionizing um, storylines. Amy's on management now, and at first she's against it because she doesn't want to lose her cushy job where she finally, like, can buy name brand shit, you know? Like, she doesn't want to. But they realize how, like, like the fact that, they, that the, they're doing union suppression in that store is part of why they don't have good benefits, and they get, and people get fucked over, and Myrtle got fired for no reason. They... They wrote, Myrtle's a little old lady. Um, and they wrote her up for like gang signs and shit. And like, they just gave her a lot of write-ups so they could, cause she made like a huge amount of money an hour cause she's been working there since the thirties. And so like, and it was a way to like cut a budget and stuff like that. And, and having union gives you certain rights to fight back. So the last few episodes, the last season, the last two seasons, I think, uh, find Jonah trying to unionize the uh, store. And um, so here's the thing. Once you start to try to form a union, there are laws about what the store can do. Like they're not supposed to be able to fire you. They're not supposed to be able to, they're not supposed to stop you. They're not, these sort of things. So one of the ways that like corporations fight back is they do ice raids. And as retaliation, retaliation for the union organizing, they do an ice raid in the store. 
and there's just I don't is it was so different from anything else in the store in, in the show where Mateo's trying to get out of the store and they're trying everyone in the fucking store is trying to get Mateo out of the store before so but Ice catches him and he goes to the tension and like there's a whole like story arc about Mateo being in detention in ice detention and the store the them trying to support Mateo they're trying to keep their jobs and and he finally gets out and he's on house arrest but he can't work at the store and like how do we keep him around the store and like there's a whole thing but like there's no sitcom doing shit like that you know what I mean um the other things I can't talk about everything and I've been talking for two hours but I do want to talk about Kelly Kelly is this like really chipper girl that comes to work there like Jonah fucks too guys Jonah is like Jonah they they portray him as effeminate and like lame and all kinds of things but like Jonah fucks there's this there's an episode where they all think that this mannequin looks like Jonah and they're hazing him about it and he doesn't like it so he keeps like trying to like do it back to like Amy but none of the like Amy is Latina and none of the uh the mannequins look like her because racism and so 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 he actually goes and buys a sex doll because he's like he he's like amped up to this thing that's going on that he wants to like fight back on it and so he buys a sex doll he thinks looks like Amy doesn't look at Amy but what it looks like is you with a fucking sex doll in the store anyway 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 why are we talking about that uh oh Kelly so Jonah fucks Jonah fucks like all kinds of people that come to the store but Kelly's a new person and she's like you know five feet tall and used to do beauty pageants and she's got a high voice and and she's the opposite of Amy and this is when Amy is like got her divorce and isn't like really fucking with Jonah even though Jonah's kind of waiting for her and like they'd kissed her in a tornado but this is before she's pregnant so anyway Jonah is dating Kelly and Amy has to watch it like and when Jonah and Amy end up fucking was it the photo lab they were fucking it they were fucking somewhere um he's dating Kelly (laughs) and he just asked Kelly to move in and like immediately has to break up with her and like yeah, like, and the next season when we see all that stuff, Kelly's still there. And it's just like, I don't know. It, it, that storyline was really funny to me and like interesting and also like better than the way they handled Jim and Pam and Roy. What's his name, Roy? Ron? Roy. I think it's way better than that. Um, what's my favorite episode though? My favorite episode ever is the one where they're having trying to have a perfect day. They never have a perfect day. Something always terrible happens. So there's a manager there and they're trying to have a perfect day. I'm like a, maybe not a regional manager. Maybe it was a regional manager. I don't know. They had a perfect, they were trying to have a perfect day. And in the deli department, Marcus sliced off his finger and Amy, who's the person trying to have the perfect day, is, he's just talking and, and like doing whatever. She's like, are you trying to lose machine? He's like, yeah. And he slices off his finger and his finger's on the floor. And they're, the two of them 
you can hear the rising panic in Amy's voice. And she's like, what is that? What is that? Is that your thumb? Is that your thumb? Is that your thumb, Marcus? And Marcus is like, I don't know. I don't know. There's blood like squirting from him. <laughs> I don't know if it's my thumb. I think it's your thumb. Is that your thumb? And like, it's just, it just comes, you can feel the, it's just rising in the both of them as they realize that's a fucking thumb. It's your thumb, Marcus. Your thumb just got cut off. So then they try to like hide. I don't know why. Do you need to put it something cold to go to the hospital? But she puts it, because she's hiding from the, the, the big guy that's in the store. She puts it in like some guacamole, a guacamole container, and then it gets missing. And now they all have to find it in the store. This is one of my favorite episodes. Just, I think America Ferrera does a great job in acting in that. I think that the premise is very funny. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes. Is there anybody else I forgot to talk about? I told you my favorite episode. I told you what it was What it was about. I told you. I talked about Garrett, Cheyenne, Mateo. I talked about Sandra. Guys, I love Sandra. I lo Sandra, me. So while Sandra's pretending to be in, in a relationship with Jeff, like full on lying. Like when it finally comes to Jeff, and they're like, you're in a relationship with Jeff, with uh, Sandra. And someone saw you kissing Mateo. He's like, I'm not in a relationship with Sandra. I'm gay. And they're like, what? And then Glenn's like, you don't seem gay. He's like, I'm, I'm gay. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, but while Sandra's doing that, she meets a guy named Jerry in a bar when they're going out for girls night. And this person, Jerry, I have no idea if she's related to this, to this, uh, to this actor. If the actor, actor that plays Sandra is related to the actor that plays Jerry. They look like salt and pepper shakers. They look like they are they they look like whoever makes people god the universe a lot whoever you fucking want to call it said i'm about to make two people that look exactly alike with different sexual parts and hopefully they find each other one day that's what it looks like i just tried to look it up but uh i don't know i just know that sandra so she finds a guy that looks exactly like her and then carol who's the wild person like carol I can't even talk about Carol. Carol is, I don't even know how to describe her. She's a wild animal. Like when, like she's just there like vaping with no panties on, calling Amy's ex-husband like, hey, I heard you guys broke up. Like she's so, she's so, <laughs> I guess she's kind of like a villain, especially when uh, she sues the store. But like, <laughs> but Jerry ends up with Carol and Carol's like treating him really badly and Sandra has to like steal him from her and like that's so again they do romances really well Sandra and Jerry that romance when they're they get together they get married um and Carol has to like fight her for him and Carol's gonna blow up the wedding and like all kinds of things are happening <laughs> I love that they have a sweater that they that Sandra and Jerry wear when they feel crabby and Jerry only wears it when Sandra's out of town like oh that was such a good storyline I love everything that happens with Sandra Sandra's my favorite character that's it Sandra in terms of characters Sandra's my favorite character right after that is Amy I know Amy people like she's unlikable sometimes but that's okay I like unlikable female characters um Garrett right after that maybe Garrett I'm a, you know what I'll do Sandra Garrett Amy Jonah I really like Cheyenne, but I like Mateo more. Like, I don't know what else. Let me just make sure I, I talked about everybody. Because I think I, I think I got everything. Karen, I talked about I talked about Dina and how she fucks. 
<laughs> I talked about the Kelly thing. I talked about... Yeah, um, it's a really funny show and I want to go watch it right now. <laughs> uh, thank you to whoever sponsored this episode. Uh, I don't know who you are, but I thank you. And if you are listening to this and you're thinking, I want Princess to talk about something. I want Princess to spend two hours talking about fucking uh, a sitcom. Yo, sponsor an episode. It's 20 bucks. Pitch me something. Email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast.com. Um, DM me or send me a message on Patreon. Pitch me something. I'll probably say yes. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope the, anom- the anonymous person who, who requested this, I mean, you didn't want to be anonymous. You told me your name and then you paid me to do this. I just don't remember who you are. And... <laughs> I hope this is what you're looking for. If not, I'm sorry. If yes, you're welcome. All right. See you guys later this week. Bye.